Welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Day, alongside Daniel Anardi. In our podcast, we interview guests that bring a fresh perspective on topics that are vital for you to thrive in your life and career. Our approach is casual and always curious. Through our guests' insights and our debriefs, we hope to help you develop a career full of purpose and meaning. In this episode, we speak with Matthew Boyd, the co-founder and CEO of Volley, an online skills-based volunteer platform. We talk about all things volunteering and taking a business from a startup to a scale-up and making sure you look after yourself in the process. Matthew shares some amazing insights for no matter what stage you are in in your career and how you can maximize volunteering in an online world. Hope you enjoy the episode. Arrive and Thrive and our guest would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders, leaders, past, present, and emerging. Matthew Boyd, welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. Thanks, Tyson. Good to be here. Yeah, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, where are you calling from in this lockdown state of affairs? Uh, relatively locked down in Parkdale, Victoria. Yep. So Bayside, just past Mentone. It's a, it's a sleepy little Bayside town full of very lovely people. Being close to the water certainly makes it feel less of a lockdown situation and you, you've got somewhat of a sense of freedom because of that. Yeah. Love it, mate. Love it. I can relate at the moment and it's something that I'm definitely not taking for granted, just getting access to the, those wilderness environments of the Bay and uh, the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, as much nature as possible. There's great bushwalks um, right by the bay, yep. um, elevated slightly. And so they're great bushwalks from Parkdale all the way through Black Rock, uh, Sandringham, up to the city. And so doing as much of that nature stuff as possible, you know, running a tech business, feeling kind of locked in. It's like, get me out of here at times <laughs> and give, give, me a bit of, give me a bit of the bush and, uh, you know, just um, the exercise that comes with it, which is quite nice. Yeah, love it, mate. And so please, mate, share with our listeners around what you do and, and what you're currently involved in. Yeah, so my main thing is Volley. Uh, it's a, a tech social enterprise business that I started about four years ago. Volley is all about online volunteering. Uh, it's something I've been banging the drum about since uh, about 2016. I believe that people can use the skills they have and the talents they possess to support purpose-driven organizations, charities, not-for-profits, and social enterprises. Mm. So um, Volley gives you the opportunity to change the world from home, uh, which we'll talk about on this podcast, but COVID <laughs> has certainly seen a, a fairly significant growth in, in what we're doing. But yeah, I believe that volunteering in a sort of traditional turn up at the T-shirt on sense is good. It, it, it's great. It contributes billions of dollars to the Australian economy every year. But what is so heavily underutilized is tapping into what people are good at, building websites, developing business strategies, creating logos, mm. whatever it is. That connection between the change makers out there that want to make a difference, want to use their skills, and the 56,000 registered charities in Australia and the hundreds of thousands of not-for-profits, these groups don't speak to each other enough. Mm. And so Volley makes those connections um, and we also work with businesses and universities to connect their people with opportunities and we do a lot of impact tracking around that as well. Mm, love it, mate. Love it. And 
what, one of the things that we talk a lot about being career counsellors is, especially to, to younger people gaining experience in, in industry, are you finding that a lot of uni students are, are tapping into the platform or there's gaining good exposure around young talent entering that workforce and using Volley as an experience process? Yeah, it's massive. So when we first started the B2B offering with Volley and started white labelling our technology, it was more the you know, traditional corporate businesses, the big banks and mm-hmm. consulting firms and so on. And then we partnered with RMIT University uh, late uh, last year uh, and it kicked off mid this year and students just put staff to shame. You know, that desire to make the world a better place, yes, it's there with both groups, but because students are hungry to start using their skills, they need to build up their professional experience, they want to build up the professional networks, they have just gone absolutely nuts. We've got a we've got a 500 student pilot with RMIT year one. Uh, we've almost hit that capacity of students that can sign up and we're only a few months into it. Students are just like, yeah, I want to get on it. It's the triple threat. It's like one, want to make the world a better place. Two, want to build up my skills. And three, if we can align that with the, the courses they're studying and, and potentially even gain course credits for it, um, then that's an incredibly powerful thing. And I personally see those students being able to support the not-for-profit sector, particularly during these challenging times, enormously. And the university model for us is huge going forward. We're about to uh, bring on the University of Melbourne. We've got probably another six universities, like big unis around the country. That's what I see as the driving force of volume moving forward because I want to take us to the US and the UK in the next few years. And it's about, I think, partnering with those big universities. That's the talent pool. And then we connect with the purpose-driven organisations and amazing impact continues to, to, to build and build from there. Yeah, love it. Take us back to, to how this idea and then the business began because it seems like such a great idea that I'd love to hear how that developed for you. Yeah. And I've told this story a hundred plus times and I always love, I always love telling it because it's the lived experience. It's the origin story. Yeah. I, I, it was 2015. I was in my third or fourth career role and uh, I studied marketing in England before I came to Oz. And so I'd done some pretty cool stuff in the marketing space, pretty exciting stuff, managed some big advertising budgets and did half-time activations at the MCG and pretty much everything. Um, and that's what, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I thought that's what I want to do with my career. But if I was honest with myself, I wasn't really fulfilled. It looked good on the outside, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I, I, when I really asked myself the hard questions, I knew that I wanted to be dedicating my time to make the world a better place. And it's not just about selling cans of soft drink or BMW cars, which happened at the ad agencies or whatever it was. I don't, to be honest, I don't really care about that. These businesses can survive without me. Um, I'm sure I provided some good value, but I really wanted to make a difference. And so for me, volunteering was that avenue I just thought great I can get at the coalface of these situations and and support these organizations and that's what I did and and so literally overnight I became this like serial volunteer doing the traditional stuff of turning up and and I I went to the Royal Children's Hospital and visited kids in wards with my dogs we did pet therapy which was 
amazing. And then I started going to like animal sanctuaries and I was literally like scooping chicken poop, you know, and cleaning out animal pens. And it did, it, it felt amazing. But I started to ask myself the question, okay, this is great. And I'm kind of doing stuff that's more driven or socially driven, but anybody could be doing this. Like I'm just a person turning up for the day and putting the t-shirt on or shaking the collection tin. And I just thought, you know, I've got skills to offer. I was trying to apply these to the organizations I was working with. Sometimes standing in front of the CEO or the founder of this organization at the time and saying, I want to help. I've got marketing skills, I've got business development skills. And I found it really, really hard. And I just thought, this is crazy. I'm not asking for money. I just want to help. I just want to, I just want to feel good about this, but also help you guys. And it was just so tough. And I was searching for a solution, which um, ultimately was volley uh, is now volley and it didn't exist. Um, you know, you've got seek volunteer and you've got 10,000 opportunities, but when you narrow that down to how many of those are skills based, it's like like a hundred out of 10,000, 6,000 or 10,000. I just thought no one is really developing a solution that is about skills of volunteering, which I believe then and believe just as much now. We can change the world and make the world a much better place by applying our skills to causes we care about. So a lot more to that story, which are gone for hours and hours. <laughs> but I did my research. I really understood the market and saw no one was doing this. And ultimately, I quit my job at, the, at Christmas 2015 and, and got to work on the business. Yeah, great. And you use the term skills-based um, volunteering. Can you, can you just unpack that a little bit for us? Because I think our listeners may have not heard that, that concept before. Yeah, skills-based volunteering. If, if you take a typical project on volley, this will explain it well. So, and, and you're free to do this. Anyone listening, jump on volley.com.au, check out the projects. Um, clear start and end dates for every project. So it might be um, a website update project. It's 20 hours. Um, it needs to be completed by say the end of October um, and these are the skills required for that particular project so we need you and it's very specific this is the way we work with our charities is, and it's not just this ongoing volunteering opportunity where yeah you're a web developer and you just turn up every other Thursday for probably forever which is a big problem with volunteering it's just like volunteers don't know when the role actually ends mm -hmm. and they sometimes feel awkward to say like oh, i want to finish up now it's project based it's all based around the gig economy and the on-demand age it's the way that we like to consume things more and more now and yeah you complete a project and you can then complete 20 more throughout the year but to give up a certain amount of time every week for a year or just ongoing generally doesn't work for us anymore. You know, we, that flexibility needs to be put into volunteering. So anyway, going back to the project, these projects list the skills that are required. Okay, so we currently have a WordPress website. It's outdated. Um, we need this new functionality built in. We need uh, you to uh, put in an online store. It's really specific around what's required, what skills you have to offer, and what actions are required to complete a project, which ultimately, on average, saves organizations on volley a few thousand dollars, and um, sometimes a lot more. Um, but when we get really specific like that, charities can be more specific about what they need. And like we've saved the current, we've got 807 as of this morning, charities on volley, um, and we've saved them like $2.2 million today. Mm. Mm. Tell us what you need. What problems are there? What solutions do you need required? And we will, you know, people will apply those skill, their skills to, to those requirements. Mm. That's so cool because I think 
a lot of people, when they think, you know, volunteering, exactly what you're saying, like putting the T-shirt on, bringing the can, shaking it, trying to create awareness, which I think is is really good. But it's almost taking it to that next level, which you guys are doing, which I think is really unique because people, I know when I've, whenever I've volunteered, kind of like, it's funny, like a, more of a, a selfish perspective, you kind of want to see your impact. And I think it, it's, a, it's a win-win because, you know, people who are getting into volunteering, they can see their impact. The business can see the impact. And yeah, as you definitely. mentioned, it's that win-win. It's great. It's it, the transparency around that is massive, and you don't just have to be a big business or a big university to want to see impact. Of three hundred students have completed um, two hundred eighty-five projects, that's generated four million dollars for the not-for-profit sector. As an individual, you want to see that, and so that's what we've embedded into the platform as well. So everyone's profile, you can see the projects you completed, the money you've saved organisations. We have a feedback loop and a rating system, so you can see those ratings. You want to see what you're doing. You want to see. The, the change that you're creating because otherwise it's just like okay well I gave up 100 hours over the last two months three months um, what's that actually done what's that what that has that meant and I, it's just a communication play and it's the data play just to provide that transparency and so where do you see the future of volunteering going because I think we talk a lot about you know the future of work and the disruptions that's going to occur love to hear from your perspective where you see volunteering in say five, 10 years from now? Well, I obviously am biased, but I think online volunteering is gonna play an absolutely massive role because when you think, I, I'm pulling this figure out, I haven't looked at the stats for ages, but there's, you know, it's billions of dollars that's saved or, or um, uh, generated to the Australian economy every year that's contributed through volunteering, traditional volunteering. I think it's around like 6 billion. It's something like that. For some reason, the figure 6.8 billion is in my head. And I don't know if that's from the last year or a few years before, but it's Sorry, man, we'll run with it. <laughs> yeah, let's go with it. Let's go with it. And someone's going to fact check and, and tell that uh, tell me that I'm completely wrong, but it's around that. It's around $6 billion. Now, 19% of Aussies volunteer, and that sort of value is generated. I see online volunteer, and typically volunteering is, the, the, the way it works is you get established in your career and then you give back. Typically, 45-year-olds and above volunteer far more. Older generations volunteer at twice the rate of younger generations. I see online volunteering and volley and any sort of online volunteering. doesn't matter what age you are. We've got 18-year-olds, we've got 70-year-olds applying for projects. That's great. But the core of our audience Together on the are, same project? Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah. Um, I see, I see, you know, volley our core audience, 25 to 34 year olds, that's like 50% of the audience. And 18 to 24 year olds is probably like 20% right now, roughly. So we're engaging the Gen Y, Gen Zs, um, not exclusively, but really building up that audience and presenting volunteering in a very convenient way to get involved. And I just see, I don't know how much Volley is going to contribute towards that. I want us to contribute as much as possible. We can shift that 19% higher because I truly believe most people want to make a difference. Some people don't, fair enough, but the majority of us want to make a difference. And so I think if with the right sort of accessibility and availability to volunteering, it being presented in such a convenient way, which I think online volunteering is, it could be like 80% of Aussies easily. I think that's mm. not overly ambitious. 80% of Australians volunteering to so taking 19% contributing, arguably, six odd billion dollars and taking that up to 80% of Australians, then it just becomes mm. very, very exciting for a sector, for a not-for-profit sector, particularly now during COVID, that is on its knees. Like there are some not-for-profits that are thriving and some charities that have innovated, but a lot of organisations are struggling because it's like, well, we need to do things differently, embrace technology in different kinds of ways. But aligning 
you know, new thinking and new talent that's coming into the workforce to support the not-for-profit sector. I think that's where really special things can happen. And these are the organisations, they combat animal cruelty, they progress mental health into a really positive space, they stand up for the environment, they stand up for the rights of marginalised or minority or minority groups. They, they stand up for just all of those causes and all those things that we want to become better. So, yeah, I just think I just think there are, there's really powerful stuff to come from online volunteering to shift the dial there. What have you noticed around the the impact that COVID nineteen has had, not only on your business but also the non for profit sector in general? Generally, the non for profit sector in general is is in a in a well was in a state of panic, probably still a little bit, but a few months back it was a real state of panic. We ran digital transformation workshops and we we did the shout out to our audience. We had like. 50 of these workshops in the space of a few weeks and, and organizations were saying like, okay, so our team are now remote. Um, we need to leverage technology to communicate better, to complete work, to track various things, whether it's impact or reporting, whatever it might be. And a lot of organizations weren't prepared. And I have many conversations with organizations saying, yeah, we're actually shutting down next month. Or if we don't hit certain targets in the next quarter, we're done. So there was a lot of a lot of really like tough conversations like that that we were trying to support these organisations around. Um, so the, the, generally, the industry's uh, in a very challenging spot. Um, on the flip side, on the more positive side, the engagement with Volley, and hopefully it's been the same with other organisations, but with Volley, it's just gone through the roof. Like applications are up like four or five hundred percent. We've had a lot of new signups and charities looking to leverage online volunteering more, but. It's, it's the, the level of empathy that I've seen from volunteers on volley. And these people, bear in mind, they may be working at home and bored. They may have had their hours cut. They may have lost their job. And these people are still applying for projects and wanting to make a difference because they see the professional benefit as well. I, I truly believe there's no such thing as a selfless act, like a truly selfless act. And people see, well, this is doing good, but this is good for my LinkedIn profile. This is good for the next job interview for me to say, you know, when they say, okay, so you were made redundant in May, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been working on this strategic digital marketing plan with Charity X through Volley. It's, it's really cool stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been big from that perspective. And um, also something that I'm very pleased about is that we've had a lot more inquiries from, from businesses and universities who have said, okay, um, we now understand whether it's during COVID or post COVID, we're dealing with a truly remote workforce, the flexible working. It, that's, that's just going to be a thing moving forward, you know, working from home, even post COVID, whether people choose to do it or not, it's just going to be a, a huge growth area and, um, businesses understand that and they're like, okay, so let's, let's look at this online volunteering, which I think is great. Cause I think a lot of businesses you see volunteering and CSR corporate social responsibility as just a box ticking exercise. We do one day. Okay. That's that done. Whereas now it's again, I'm using the term again, but it's pushing the dial and, and it's all to do good things and, and make more of a difference. I'm a bit um, lost for my words because I'm so, so g'd up about it. Because I maybe it's because I talk so much. So I walk along and I, I get I get into I get into the passion, the passion, you know, um, moments. And uh, I have this little voice in my head then going off, going wrap it up, come on, because this is going to be like a, a 15 minute answer to a like a question that Tyson asked. I don't know, maybe maybe earlier on in the podcast you've been speaking too much. No, not at all. I just uh, I, my my issue is my brain just can't keep up with my like the, the words at which you're saying, and I'm just going, oh, I, I want to ask that question. I, I would move to <laughs> Yeah, just, 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 just interrupt me, mate. Just be like, on that, on that point. <laughs> Talk us through, so 
you know, you went from, you know, volunteering on a regular basis to shoveling, as you said, chicken, <laughs> chicken yeah. shit and chicken you know, shit, yeah. <laughs> ensuring that animals had um, the appropriate food and all those types of things. I'd love to unpack that, that process of going from that startup to probably like the scale up mm. phase. Like, do mm. you feel like you're still in that zone and, and how do you manage that personally? Yeah, it's weird because I was introducing myself to someone yesterday and I said, I've got a startup and then I kind of paused. I'm like, is this still a startup? And I was, you're like, we're three and a half years in, four and a half year journey because it was a year before we launched. It's just like, when you stop calling yourself a startup? But yeah, that it's a good question because that phase, I, I speak to a lot of students. I, I, I do talks at universities and I love speaking to budding entrepreneurs, particularly social entrepreneurs because I was that person and I had some great people around me, but I would have loved some extra support and I would have loved for someone to say to me, don't do this, it's a waste of time, or do this, it will minimize the risk of, of failure. And so I love these conversations, I love these tips and talking about it. And the, the number one tip I always kick off with, which I did, fortunately with Volley, so I had the idea for Volley sort of early, mid 2015. I stayed in my job at the time, which is very important for the money to keep coming in, but I spent about six months trying to prove my idea wrong. And I think that's important because when you have an idea, and I've had a hundred of them in the past, and if I'm not excited about them after a week, it's probably not a good idea. It's probably not something that I'm going to have that passion and that resilience and perseverance to really drive and create something out of. And so you've got this idea and you, you can be quite protective of it. And if anyone insults it, it's almost like someone's like insulting your baby. But I, uh, I did, I tried to prove this idea wrong. I was looking like who else in the market, who else is playing in this space? You know, is there a solution to online volunteering, a true solution within like Australia, Asia Pacific? Um, no. I, I found what are the competitors doing really understanding that you know would people actually use this service would people actually pay for it you know those that do which for volley is the business accounts so there's all this stuff and you are you're trying to prove your idea wrong and I still remember it was a terrifying process that, like I remember googling and I just thought this is such a good idea but I was going to google and then it comes up and I'm like damn it someone's doing it but then I probably would have quit my job and joined that company or tried to join that company but I was just trying to prove it wrong and I was just, I was just, I was becoming a, an expert of that space, an expert of the volunteering space, um, which was so important. And even today, you know, even with those stats that I'm spitting out, which hopefully is accurate around like the six billion, you, you know your sector. And that means in future, like sales meetings with a business you're trying to bring on board or a presentation to an audience of 250 people, you know your stuff. And that just fuels you with so much. And then, yeah, you just, you know, I went for it. I, I'm someone that I would rather live with failure than regret. And particularly now, if I hadn't gone for volley and everything that's going on in the world, I would be kicking myself thinking, it's so relevant. It made sense before, but maybe people wouldn't have gotten it. But now it's like, it's an absolute essential. So if you're really sure in something, you back yourself, have the confidence in yourself that you could be wrong. We're all wrong at times, but back yourself that you know what you're talking about. You do your homework, you do your research and then, and then you go for it and you, you learn along the way and the startup to scale up, it's, you know, you need that resilience. You need to be passionate about what you're doing. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Don't be afraid to fail. There's, there's a long, long list there. But I think the biggest thing, if you're passionate about what you do, I've met entrepreneurs who are looking to disrupt, you know, the real estate market and it's because they see a quick buck in it. And they're not passionate about that. And you can see it in their eyes. And it's like, maybe they'll make a load of money before they just completely lose interest. But for me, I'm as passionate now as I was, you know, 
sort of four or five years ago and I, I love what I do and it's, it's now about, I mean, we're sustainable and we're growing well and now we just want to make the world, you know, a better place in a million different ways but also make, make a lot of money doing it uh, and that's not at the expense of anyone else. That's a true social enterprise. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money as a business and doing a lot of good. I think it's the best example of a business um, and, and that's what we're pushing towards now. Mate, can you just unpack... Because I love that notion he was saying, you know, research it and, and sit on it. See, see if the idea has legs before you, you jump full into it. And then, you know, there's a saying when it comes to startups, like you, you're almost like building the car as it's driving. And so true. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so like, can you just talk through that, that process of going, okay, you've researched the idea and, and hopefully some of our listeners are in this zone of, you know, they're thinking about opportunities to be an entrepreneur, be an impact entrepreneur or social entrepreneur. And they're going, okay, I've got this idea. Okay, I know the idea has legs. What next? Like, because I, I think it's a really good point you raise of researching, understanding that, that it fits the way you want it to fit and then going, okay, now I need to take action on it and I need to take action quick. Like, can you walk through that a little bit? Yeah, so using the car example, and I, I love that. I think I must have heard that at some point, but I don't know, for some reason, it just really made me laugh because it's so true. Like, it's so bloody true. Um, okay, so using that example, to be building as you go, you need four wheels and a, and a base the car. I don't know my car, what is it, an axle or, or something? I don't know. <laughs> the, 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 the foundation, something to sit on with the four wheels. And and I think those, those initial key elements are... Um, you need you need a good lawyer and a good accountant to, to get started. You know, these, these are the people that keep you out of trouble. So I had this idea, I'd done the research, but if you're actually going to turn this into a business, you know, and I got I got the, the, the I registered the business name. I was surprised Volley was free because Volley and referring to volunteers, particularly in Australia, as volleys uh, is is quite um, a popular term in the early stages and even sometimes now people think I'm talking about Dunlop volleys like V-O-L-L-E-Y and it's V-O-L-L-I-E and it's just I remember like year one and someone was like oh volley I love I love your brand and I was like that's amazing and they're like yeah I've got like four pairs of your shoes at home I was just like no, no do, do you wear shoes. those to meetings at all or anything like that never bought, <laughs> never bought a pair like, it's, it would just confuse things it's like the guy from volley wearing volleys it's like no. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I registered the business name and I've got the URLs, I've got the, the domain names and everything, but then yeah, but no idea from a, from a legal perspective, from, from that accountant and setting your business up perspective. So you get those two people and I think they're the first couple of wheels to, you know, get on your car. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, you get structured as an organization independent on your industry. You just start to bring those initial people that form the, the starting points of that car that, that allow you to, to, to get in motion, basically. Um, you are always in motion. You're never static. Um, or at least, you know, if, if you really want to develop something, you're not. And one of the early things I did as well was re read The Lean Startup. I think that book is amazing. I think it teaches you because you can overthink so much. You can, you know, and I, I sometimes have this conversation with founders and entrepreneurs around, oh, well, I've got to think about this, and I've got to think about, I've got to think about the, the launch marketing plan. I'm like, you, you, you're here, you're at the start now. If you're planning to launch in like 12 months, you don't need to think about the marketing for like eight, nine months. So it's like just what you have to do bit by bit, um, and then you grow, and then you you go. And 
the lean startup is about developing, you know, for volley, uh, applying it to volley at the very least. It's the MVP, it's the minimum viable product, the core offering, whether it's a service, whether it's a product that your audience want and you build from there. And only now, like Volley 2.0 just went live, August 2020, three and a half years into the journey. This is the vision for Volley I've had in my head since 2015. But if I would have built that into that, I use developers, I, I can't code or anything myself, but I align with good people. If I would have uh, launched that 2016, it would have cost me a fortune and arguably a bunch of those features wouldn't have been needed at that point. So you develop a core offering and you you build and build from there and you slowly improve the car that you're in and you upgrade and so on. And it's it's a it's an ongoing there, there's no end unless you unless you become insolvent as a company and you can no longer exist or you exit, whatever that might look like. But I've got no intention of that for, for quite a while to come and you just keep going. It's just it's just ongoing. Mm. It's uh, thank you so much for sharing because I think one thing that I've personally found difficult at times with with running a business is you can get too big picture thinking so you can go um you know okay and then we'll do this and then from there we can add that and this and that and it's like well hang on a second let's just rewind what what are we actually you know what's bringing money into the business how are we making an impact and then kind of building your foundations first be able to before you can take have that bigger impact such Mm. a good point yeah it's true and and to the flip side of that um you know you, you've got the big picture thinking but you need to think about the core stuff um some people get so caught up in the engine room of it all and it's that day-to-day that they can't get in the helicopter uh and can hover above everything and look strategically and and plan for the next 12 months two years three years five years like it's really tough to get yourself out of the trenches so it's a balancing act. It's like, yeah, you have to do the core stuff and don't get caught up in things that aren't essential or core to your business right now, but also give yourself time, at least on a monthly basis, to look at that business, or maybe even quarterly at the very least, to strategically think, okay, what has to happen over the next few months for us to hit those next key milestones? Mm. And so, mate, when it comes to your own uh, productivity and your own organization because you're a busy guy. You can see your involvement on your LinkedIn in terms of not just Volley but other organizations. Uh, Was it RMIT and the the Jane Goodall Foundation as well? Yeah, so I sit on the board at RMIT University, the MBA program, and I'm a non-executive director with the Jane Goodall Institute of Australia. Uh, I sit on a couple of other boards. I do a bit of contracting work. So there's there's a bit there. <laughs> yeah. So so how do you go about managing your your schedule, if you don't mind asking? Yeah, I, I I like the diversification in it, and I think that's why I still do a bit of the contracting and align with organisations that I really believe in, um, and take that break from volley. And you know, there's a good team in place with volley now, and I'm I'm still very involved. Still, I'm certainly not stepping away yet. I'm just going to be chairman. You know, I'm, I'm a very very active CEO but I like those other things and how I manage my time I think it's a hard one and what I just said to someone just yesterday was I don't know I had this feeling like with with all of those roles so much of it you know was on me you know I had to do so much and drive so much and I think what I've realized in recent times is like well I'm responsible for for 
my role in certain things and what I need to bring to the, the table with the Jane Goodall Institute, Australia, and so on. But there's also, you need to put things on to other people. And, and, you know, even with Volley, it's like, well, there's a new round of tech updates going on right now. And it was a little bit of time briefing, only an hour or so briefing that, but then the tech guys are running that. And then the marketing guys are running the next campaign. And so you can do a lot of things and your CV looks absolutely jam packed and, and I am busy for sure, but I've got a better work-life balance now than I've ever had. I've just stopped working weekends after like three or four years, which is a massive difference. And even like some days I'll do a half day and everything's under control and I've checked in with everyone. And it's like, I'm going to go to the beach with, with my dogs for a few hours. I'm just, I'm going to go for a long lunch and catch up with a friend or whatever. And, and that's, that's been great. And yeah, I, I, I'm sort of coming off the question and I'll come back to it. It's, you manage your time. You look at the most efficient way to do things. I had the mentality early on as a founder, and I think a lot of founders do. It's just like the more hours you work in a business, the more you can build that business, and then that can go beyond like an eight to a twelve to a sixteen-hour day. But I don't believe that to be true, um, and I think it's actually detrimental, and it leads to horrible things like burnout, which I've experienced so many times. And so. I've just got that balance and I've got a clearer mindset and a better vision for volley and all my other roles now more so than ever before. And, and also once you've been doing things, you do a lot of things the hard way for quite a while as a founder, as a you know CEO, and, and all of a sudden you find like the more efficient ways of doing things, which in the past may have taken three or four hours. And now it's like, well, I can actually do that in 30 minutes because I'm going to leverage this software or I'm going to bring this person back in who helped previously. So you just work as smart as possible. Mm, really good points. I think I read in a, um, a book, this concept of founder fit. So ensuring that, you know, you understand where your strengths lie, where your team strengths lie, and then managing yourself from a health perspective, from a, the headspace, the physical space, the heart space, the spiritual space, ensuring that you are at your best to be able to manage other people to be their best and to ensure that all your projects are the, the best that they can be. So I think it's a really, really good point, man. Yeah. And that only now is resonating with me. And I can only say that, yeah, I'm, I'm adopting that like probably within the last three months, the, mm. the three and a half, four years or whatever before that, I was so out of whack and the, 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 the work-life balance was just all over the place and my stress levels were just, even when I had it under control, they still went good. And now I'm in, I'm in a much better place and I'm, I'm respecting myself personally more and, you know, just giving myself time to, to have more fun as well as work incredibly hard. That's great. And mate, you, um, you asked or you mentioned um, just earlier the Lean Startup. Is there any other books that you would recommend? Normally Dan does this segment because he's a real, yeah. he's a book, I don't know, a, a bookie, but that's a wrong term. <laughs> <laughs> he's right into his books. And so, yeah. And so um, any other recommendations? Uh, yeah, the Lean Startup's great. I, um, oh, there's um, a great sales book, um, which I'm going to look up on my phone while I'm talking to you about other ones because this, I haven't recommended this, this book for a while, actually, this sales book. It's amazing. It actually completely um, changed the game for me. Yes, I found it. And I'm so glad I did because otherwise that would have been awkward. The, challenge, the Challenger Sale is the best, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever read another sales book, but I heard about this one in the Challenger Sale. It completely redefined the approach I took to pitching my business um, to the, the format and the structuring of our sales presentations. Um, it's just amazing. And I won't go on about it. I'll, I'll just encourage others to, to really check it out. The Challenger Sale is amazing. So they're two of the biggest business books. And to be honest, I don't 
really read businesses book, business books beyond that. You know, I listen to podcasts and, and read articles and stuff. But what I do love is reading the books of amazing entrepreneurs. So in the last year, I've read Shoe Dog, which is from Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. I've read um, Elon Musk's biography. It's somebody who wrote the book about him, but it's a very, very good um, yeah. biography. Uh, I read the, the, the Steve Jobs biography. I forget the author, but basically if you jump into Audible or, or on a, any of those stores, it's always the highest ranked one. So that Steve Jobs autobiography was great. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, there's just a few like that. And I just, I love to learn from these others, from, from these great success stories. I've read like four of Branson's books. And I, I think what I love most about them is that it humanizes them and, and you know, that yes, they've come, become incredibly successful. I love the earlier stages of the book and the origin stories and they, they tried this and they failed and they got fired from that job and they were stumbling and they're in their mid thirties. And it's just like, Oh, I'm in my mid thirties and I feel like I haven't quite made it yet. So you're looking at these 40, 56 year old millionaires and billionaires and you're like, and I, I, you know, I doubt, I mean, billionaire, certainly not, but even millionaire. I, I, I've got interest. I just want to be comfortable. I want to be happy and comfortable. But you look at these success stories and you think just like, how is that achievable? But when you look at the journey and the story and it's, it's them being genuine about what they want to achieve, authentic, hardworking, it's just like, it makes it, it makes it achievable. And I love that. That's such a good point. I've, I finished a, uh, an audio book recently called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, I'm about halfway through it. Yeah, have you heard about the um the the same similar date of birth that uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates yes. had? Yes, yeah, I, was I like, have. Oh, I know, no. I know. Isn't like Warren Buffett around there as well? And, <laughs> yeah, same, yeah, same it's, zone. It's crazy. It's it's very interesting, and I I do relate with quite a bit in Gladwell's book Outliers. Yeah, I, I see myself as a bit of an outlier, and that's not talking about success. It's more talking about just being a bit of a being a bit of a rebel and doing things differently, and just just wanting to to create something a bit different. So yeah, that that book that book resonated with me. It's another good one from him. Yeah, nice. And so, mate, before we let you go, how can uh, people get involved with with Volley? And and if they're thinking and they're you know they've got a little bit more time on their hands given the current climate, how can they get involved with some of these impact projects? Yes, yeah, so if you're a, a purpose-driven organisation and that's a charity, not-for-profit or even a social enterprise, you can be a private business with a, a social mission. Um, you can sign up, volley.com.au. Um, it's free to post projects, connect with skilled professionals, leverage all the technology. Likewise, if you're a change maker looking to make a difference, looking to get some professional experience, head to Volley. Uh, if you're a business or a university and you're looking to really revolutionize slash redesign what your volunteering program looks like, track your impact, do some pretty cool stuff, um, same platform, just send us an inquiry and we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. And how can people see your updates? Um, like social channels, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, LinkedIn, follow us. It's, you know, it's like volley or volley, volley.co. Um, the, the handles on, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and so on. So LinkedIn's probably the biggest channel for us just because we're, we're in that space of making impacts, but it's, it's really about people using their skills. And so it's LinkedIn makes um, the most sense to us. So we've, we've got a lot of great posts there and we write a lot of articles. We've got a blog on our website. So yeah, keep up to date with all the cool stuff we're doing there. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show mate i think your insights have been really valuable and keep spreading the good word on on what you're doing and, and the mission that you're working towards it's great oh, i appreciate it Tyson. No, it's been a pleasure speaking with you mate thanks awesome. uh, thanks for having me on pleasure thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of the arrive and thrive podcast please let us know by sharing it with a connection and leaving a review 
We hope that through this podcast, even more people can design a career and life that they love and are proud of. See you soon.